Welcome to Play It Again Fam, the film podcast where brother and sister re-watch and discuss the cinema classics we were shown as kids. I'm Beck Severs and I'm here with my brother Tom King to reminisce over a host of childhood movie memories, from Mary Poppins to Fargo. Yes, our parents had unconventional tastes. Tune in for our weekly reactions to re-watching a whole bunch of classics, this time as 30-something-year-olds. Expect lots of opinions, fangirling, and a healthy dose of sibling bickery. Thanks for joining us for Play It Again Fam. When we were kids, this sound was ubiquitous. That was because our dad had clipped the piano intro you were hearing and made it the sound that played when his computer started. It's the intro from the title song of Bugsy Malone, the film we want to talk about this week on Play It Again Fam. It's a film I can't remember when we first saw, but it's a film that also defined a lot of our love of musicals, gangsters and child actors. So we're gonna talk about Bugsy Malone this week. And it's a film that I saw again quite recently around Christmas when we introduced it to our step siblings. Oh, cool. So yeah, we watched it a couple of weeks ago in half term and we introduced it to our girls as well. And I don't think I'd actually watched it since I was a kid. Had you watched it in between? Uh, I don't think I had. And what I realised when I saw it again is how adult the themes in it are and how effective Alan Parker was in treating those themes with respect and getting the best out of the child actors. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Actually, I found it really interesting how much certain things impacted me emotionally that I just thought were kind of entertaining as a child. But we can we can get into all that. But what was your like first impression on watching it again, especially with like different people who hadn't seen it before? I think um, the quality of the acting stood out to me much more than it did when I was a kid. I feel like because if you watch it when you're younger than the kids you're watching, the quality of what they're doing doesn't really come across to you because they just look, yeah. look like you do. Whereas now, especially people like, um, you know, Dan, the, uh, the, oh, the, yeah. the enemy of Fat Sam, his acting is incredible because it's mostly done with just a, an eyebrow or, a, you know, a pursed lip. Yeah, Very I agree. He, he was definitely one of my favourite characters and especially because he keeps it pretty low key. It's like Fat Sam's all the histrionics and the over-the-top yeah. acting and the reactions and Dandy Dan. Is it Dandy Dan? Yeah. That's what cool. yeah. He just kind of keeps it really like cool. Yeah. And and it's quite hard to act that well, isn't it? Especially as a child. But yeah. I think he really and and the total embrace of children for everything. So that, <laughs> yeah. so that his house, his estate has <laughs> yeah. a string quartet that is really playing Mozart, but in, in the way that 12-year-olds would play Mozart. <laughs> It's fantastic. So it's kind of a bit scrapey and a bit out of tune, but you're like, well, fair play. You've yes. got kids. You've got kids playing a posh string quartet. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like um, I really enjoyed it, and I was, uh, yeah, super impressed. Like you, at just the quality of it. Um, I did feel like it, the third act does kind of get a bit lost in some ways, but I didn't care because I was just enjoying watching it so much. Um, it was really interesting watching it with my own children who are age 10, 9 and 7 now 
because they all really enjoyed it and they were glued to it. But when we asked them at the end, did you understand what it was all about? They were like, no, but we just <laughs> liked it. <laughs> what did they think it was about? Did you ask them more? Well, I think they got that there was like two gangs. I mean, we did we did sort of explain things along the way. They got that there was two gangs and they were trying to shoot cream pies and with splurge guns at each other. Um, and they got that they were, they liked Bugsy Malone. Um, they did keep asking, is he a goodie or is he a baddie? <laughs> they liked Bugsy Malone. They liked Blousy Brown. They didn't like Tallulah. But yeah, they got the whole <laughs> rivalry, gang rivalry kind of thing. Um, and everyone can totally get uh, on board with the amazing end scene, which I just find the most fun. And a great, just a classically great way to end a movie with a movie with everyone being friends and having a big sing along, basically. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny, isn't it? Because I think they're right to to question whether the gangs, you know, I think they're they're sort of picking up on what the the point being made is that there's no reason why you should root for Fat Sam, particularly. Mm. It's mm. like any gangster film that you know, the Godfather or anything else. It's not like the people who are the protagonists are good people, yeah. worthy of your support. But because because of storytelling and because that's what we're used to, we we often end up supporting them. And yeah. I think Parker does an amazing job of actually unpicking that. Yeah, that's really true. And actually, so it's what you said at the start about that he, he actually handles things with a lot of, weight in a way when I was a kid and I watched it I remember just thinking that the gun violence was just fun and funny like a lot of it like they're shooting each other with cream it, it's funny it's a laugh but actually watching it as an adult with my children I felt like actually he conveys the seriousness and the danger of it and the like that scene at the start where you've got um the gangster very quietly approaching the hairdresser and he's getting his gun and the hairdresser's in cahoots with him and he's cutting someone's hair who's completely unsuspecting and he kind of gives him the nod and then he shoots him. I actually found it really like unsettling and I think that's really clever. Um, I think he manages to get the entertainment and, and some understanding for the kids at their level but also kind of send a message to the adults as well. Yeah I, and why do you think that is? I think I tend to think that's because he literally shows you the same exact thing that a serious adult mm. gangster film would show you. The only thing different is that it's cream and not a bullet. And that it's, and that it's children acting it. Yeah. Which kind of adds this layer of almost more but, unsettling. But I suppose that's why the, the children are so good because they, they play the part straight. Yeah. And so, the, the, yeah. The, yeah, the barbershop scene that you describe, if that had been a real bullet and then there'd been a, a Coppola-style blood spray behind mm. the kid, it, it would be very similar. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually, I, I actually found it really moving as well, a lot of it. A lot of the... I think there's some really effective close-ups on the children's faces, like quite emotional close-ups, and I found them very moving. <laughs> Whereas I can't remember what I thought as a child. I think I probably found it a bit cringy sometimes, like <laughs> blousy brown and bugsy thing. But watching it as an adult, I just found it, I don't know whether it's because you're more emotionally grown up or what. I don't know. What did you think about that, about about the <laughs> characterisation? Yeah, I think the history of it comes through much more as an adult. Um, 
the, the, the hope that Blousey has of going to the West Coast and becoming a film star and all of that mm, and mm. and the reality <laughs> the reality of showbiz as experienced at the Fat Sam Speakeasy oh, yeah. doesn't you don't get that as a kid um, you don't get like the tropes of you know kind of the slog of entertainment and being an entertainment and the slog of show business um, and you definitely don't get kind of what a speakeasy was and why escaping to California at that time was such a big deal. Yeah. And uh, there's this beautifully meta side to it, which is that you've got kids acting as movie stars, talking about being movie stars yeah. <laughs> in the film. But they're trying, oh, it's just brilliant. And yeah, yeah. And particularly, I suppose, Jodie Foster, who oh. was already a film star, legit film star yeah. at the time, and is clearly head and shoulders oh. with the other members of the cast. Absolutely. But at the same time, still has some of that childishness mm. um, and is able to bring it. And yeah, it's just phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, sorry, I'm gonna fangirl here because obviously <laughs> I'm a huge Jodie Foster fan, but watching that again, all these years later, I mean, she is just so unique and just, it, again, it's like the dandy dandy thing that she manages to get so much out of so little. There's like a couple of scenes, one where she just has a really imperceptible eyebrow raise, but it's just absolutely perfect. And it just says so much. She she is like, you can just tell that she's a big star, even at that. I mean, how old was she when it was made, do you know? She's 15. 15, yeah, yeah. Um, so she is, I think she is slightly older than the other kids. Um, yeah. And, and it comes across, I mean, she's taller for a start. Um, yeah. But yeah, just the salaciousness of how she yeah. how she slinks around the stage and, and and sings her song. Yeah, so I want to ask you about this because this was one of the things that actually I did struggle with a bit re-watching it now. The whole element of the, the young girls dancing and their costumes and, and Jodie Foster's character in Tallulah, which like you say, is a very sort of sexy, seductive part in a way. Um, as the mum of three young girls, I did feel slightly uncomfortable with it. And I was kind of having a conversation with myself about whether that was legit. What do you think? Yeah, it's difficult to answer that. I, I don't know. Um, I, I get the sense from what I've read around the film and how it was made, that the kids were made to feel very comfortable on set and mm. they didn't feel, um, you know, manipulated or anything like that which yeah. is reassuring but I mean it, it, it's undoubtedly difficult at times uh, I think having watched it as a kid makes me more happy about having seen it as an adult because you know Jodie Foster makes you feel things that <laughs> when you're in a, when you're 11 or 12 as a, as a boy or a girl um you might not have felt before um yeah. so um, you know, I, I find it hard to imagine being a grown up watching that for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so my husband, Aidan, was saying that, you know, as, as a child, he'd go and watch his friends perform in shows and do dancing and stuff like that. And is it, is it actually any different? Maybe it's not. You know, there's plenty of, plenty of girls who do dancing and do shows and it's all fine. So maybe, I don't know, I, it just really struck me rewatching it again now that, I think there'd probably be some more question marks over them doing something like that now. Um, yeah, probably, and that, the whole concept of the production. In a way, it just testifies to how much of a success the acting is, 
yeah. that we're having this conversation yeah. Um, yeah. and that they, they, the world that he created is so realized and yeah. and I think one thing I hadn't realized um, and this is a slight tangent is that Alan Parker didn't just direct the film he wrote the whole script and the songs um, let's talk about the songs let's talk about let's the talk songs, about songs. <laughs> go on what are your your faves well I think what was interesting watching it back was that different ones jumped out at me mm. than they would have done when I was a kid. I wasn't that interested in the Bugsy Malone song this ah. time, whereas it, it was definitive for me as, as a kid. Um, similarly, I think my favorite one from when I was a kid was the boxing song about, mm. do you want to be a boxer? Whereas this time I was much more moved by Tomorrow the song oh. the, the the cleaner sings yeah and also i listened to the verses of down and out much more closely whereas before i just kind of liked the driving beat of it and and the yeah. fact that it was catchy and the marching and everything but the message behind down and out in particular i found very interesting the fact that yeah he's he's haranguing these people on the dole to make a life for themselves. It's quite, it's quite an interesting message. Yeah, I felt very uh, mixed emotions <laughs> listening to that one and watching that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, so I, I was thinking how are we gonna explain this one to the kids? Cause they were saying, what what's this about? Because mm. it is quite aggressive in a way. Like it's almost like you don't have to sit around, come on. Yeah. Um, which. I found bizarre being of the more left-leaning inclination. Um, but, and then also the fact that they just want to use them basically, because yeah. they're, they're doing that, not because they want them to build a life for themselves and have any kind of agency, but because they want to just use them to steal the splurge guns. So, yeah, yeah. they're coerced. Um, they're coerced into being soldiers. Yeah. And I was actually, the parallel I drew while watching it this time was to things like Peaky Blinders more than anything mm, else, where, yes. you know, Aiden, Aiden did as well. Yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, it's the same, same kind of industrial wasteland type vibe. And, you know, there's this very charismatic leader who comes in and galvanizes the community into basically organized crime mm. um, or not just not basically, but actual organized crime. Yeah. Um, and it's just fascinating because it surprised me that Alan Parker, as a Brit and as someone who typically is seen as of the left, mm. put that message in there. But there's actually a few, because I think he touches quite a lot on the, the sort of topic of immigration and race as well. And um, I do want to come back to the songs, but just to go off on this little tangent, mm -hmm. um, there is quite a lot of talking about, you know, being Jewish, being Italian, being Irish. You get this like real impression of there being a melting pot of ethnicities. And I wondered what you thought about the roles of um, the black characters in the film, because obviously they have quite stereotypically um, traditional, by which I mean like subjugated roles as black characters. Um, so you've got Fizzy, who's the black cleaner. Um, you've got the driver, who's black. And then you have got the, the girl who does that beautiful dance, who's obviously in the the dance crew which is pretty yeah. equal with the others and I wondered if he was is that because he thinks he's trying to make a point 
about how black that. people are treated rather than endorsing it and saying this is how it should be. I would say I absolutely know. he's trying to make yeah. a point. And, and Fizzy's song, Tomorrow, mm, is mm. the core of that. Uh, and I think that's why it, le it leapt out at me again as, as being the other song that really got to me. Yeah. Um, and because that beautiful dance, she does that absolutely beautiful dance. It's, it's so stunning. And, and the vocal performance isn't obviously isn't the kid who's singing mm. um on screen but it's uh it's remarkable but i think the the point is of it that even there's another level below the people that you see on stage and who are performing and have this dream of becoming stars where the cleaner of that stage has similar dreams actually mm. just as big dreams and no one gives him the time of day, even though he's just as talented as everyone else. And I think that's a deliberate point that, that Alan Parker's making. I think the, the other thing that I noticed, which I hadn't really noticed fully the first time I watched it, was that the pianist is black and it's him at the end after yeah. the battle that starts the song that brings yeah. everything together. Um, yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and it's such a magical moment when he he kind of he kind of smashes the keys, doesn't he? <laughs> but except it's not random; it's actually a really amazing yeah. <laughs> like chord. And then it's that ding, dee, 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 dee. and oh, it's just yeah. I mean, I really really enjoyed the songs this time. I haven't listened to them for years, but I used to, we used to know that soundtrack off by heart. I mean, I probably still do. I know still do. Off by yeah. heart. Um, <laughs> but I definitely noticed more of the the verse lyrics yeah around whereas you know as a kid you sing the choruses and you you remember the tune well you don't really think about the lyrics as much do you i suppose but i have to say that when it first started the movie that um start of the bugsy malone song came on and i'd completely forgotten that dad had that on the computer <laughs> <laughs> so it came on and i was like oh yeah the computer's starting up oh no wait um but yeah, i really enjoyed bugsy malone i really enjoyed um Bad guys, what's it called? We're the very worst at being bad. Yeah, I, that was a lot of fun, um, and I, I just love Tallulah, even though I think it's a bit dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a great performance by her as well. But yeah, I was I was actually really bowled over by how good the songs are. I mean, I'm I'm a really big musical fan in general. I love a musical. Um, and I would never think of Bugsy Malone as a musical because there's so much talking in it. It's not. It's not like it's predominantly told through song, but uh, I think there's a lot of really good songs in it. And I don't think there's really a dud one, is there? No, I wouldn't say no. so. I think as a kid, I always found the ones that Blousey Brown sings a little bit mundane. But now, yeah. uh, because as we discussed earlier, that the sto her story came out more strongly for me this time around. Yeah. So the songs meant more to me. Um, yeah. The Ordinary Fool, song that she sings where she's been she's been as she sees it betrayed by Bugsy mm. um is beautiful and, yeah. and and hit me a lot a lot harder than it did when I was a kid when I just kind of wanted to get to the next fight scene <laughs> yeah definitely and that's another thing I liked about it was that I think there's some really strong female characters in there she's got a lot of personality she's she you know Bugsy tries to um, ask her out a lot at the start and she's like, no. And mm -hmm. um, 
she's got really strong ideas of who she wants to be. And even though we know, obviously, there's going to be disappointment along the way and she might not necessarily get there, she's she's got a real clear vision of who she wants to be. And Saluna's a very strong character as well. The, the, the flip side to that is um, I was really struck by the... <laughs> unhealthy competition between the girls in it as well which I think is very true to the time and very true to um how it was when I was growing up as well that you know one of them says how do I look in this dress and they're like oh your ears stick out and you look you look Mm -hmm. terrible and you know it's just so tired and old watching that now but it was very much of its time I mean everything was like that and it's not you don't feel like it's malicious but I was just conscious again watching it with my girls actually don't want them to aspire to that kind of competitive nature between women like you know we've moved on from that and we can champion each other more now (laughs) not just do each other down (laughs) but yeah um oh another thing that I found really funny was and I didn't we didn't realize till the end it was made in Pinewood Studios (laughs) um which she probably knew I don't know but there's this funny bit when they're all these they get all the the unemployed blokes and they're all in this big line and they're about to execute their plan to steal the splurge guns and they're trying to get the one at the end called Babyface and they go along the thing all in American accents going get Babyface, get Babyface, get Babyface and then it (laughs) gets to this one guy and he just goes get (laughs) Babyface. It's like some random English actors in here but clearly they must have like just got some English extras off the street because it was Pinewood. (laughs) Yeah, that's, anything that's else another thing is the staging is phenomenal i mean it it really <laughs> it really feels american um yeah no it does it feels like proper gangster territory yeah. I, I think especially that those kinds of scenes where it's more industrial and um the 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 chinese laundry where the, the guns are supposedly hidden and all of that it's it that's what i mean as well when i say it's fully realized and and alan parker treats it with respect the, the kids are really, the, as you say, the kids and the cream, the splurge guns are the only difference from a real gangster film in lots of ways. And yeah. so, you know, there's real tension and crackle and and hazard in the Chinese laundry when they're going through it. Mm. And um, yeah. it feels just like, you know, a modern, uh, a modern gangster film would feel. And I think, I think a large part of that is the script, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. The script is so sharp, it's so witty. Mm-hmm. I actually felt like a lot of it, the kid actors probably didn't fully get <laughs> what they were saying, but they still do a great job of pulling it off. I think Jodie Foster, again, does the best at all those those lines. It's like she knows what they mean and she knows how to deliver them. Um, but as an adult watching it, it was really fun because I it's could funny, keep isn't up. It? You can tell which ones get it and which ones don't. Like, yeah, Mandy Dan Dan. definitely understands all his lines. Yeah, definitely. Fat Sam makes up for not understanding some of his by <laughs> just his sheer energy and kind yeah. of balls out Italianness. And definitely. it's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I loved that bit where he's with Knuckles and everything's going wrong and it comes up with that subtitle, everything's hunky dory. <laughs> hilarious. Great. Well, it sounds like we both enjoyed it a lot. So, yeah, I'm glad that my children enjoyed it as well. <laughs> they actually started what they started watching it straight um, over again as soon as it finished. So that's oh, really? a pre- pretty that's an endorsement. Yeah, definitely.
Play It Again fan comes to you from Rebecca Severs and Tom King, a sister and brother separated by geography, but only sometimes by taste. We put out a new show every week, and you can catch up with previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Music and SoundCloud, or at our website, playitagainfam.com. We'd love to hear your suggestions for new films to discuss, and we're open to having guests along to reappraise their childhood favourites. Get in touch on social media by searching Play It Again Fam, or send us an email in the old-fashioned way to playitagainfam at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. So what have you been watching this week? Well, we have been pretty much binging, which is quite unusual for us, Unforgotten. Um, have you heard of it? No, tell me about it. So it's a ITV drama, it's um, crime, crime. <laughs> crime. <laughs> it's, it's about historical murders. So each series, a body is discovered by accident, normally by a group of workmen in a... Um, industrial situation who are digging stuff up and suddenly come across this body and I hope they've got good trauma, trauma counselling well this is so uh, yes this is a very interesting part of it uh, which makes it quite different to a lot of procedural sort of crime stuff <laughs> so they find a body it's normally been there for a long time and then the, this team that you're watching have to figure out who it is how long ago they were killed how they were killed and at the same time as that happening, in the first episode, you're introduced to all these characters who com- who appear to be completely separate from each other with no link whatsoever. But then at the end of the first episode, it all comes together and you sort of realise that they all knew the dead person somehow. Mm. Um, so that's the sort of premise. And then the team's led by um, a woman in the- her character name is Cassie Stewart. And she is just fantastic. She's such a good actor. And it, it does deal a lot with the issues of like being the police and the stress mm. and the burnout and stuff like that. And uh, I like watching her because she's she's a great leader, but she's very, she's an introvert. She's quite quiet. She's not all like, you know, all mm. singing or dancing. Um, but it's just a great, great mystery, great drama. So yeah, and it's not scary, mm. a bit tense sometimes. But yeah, we've been well into that and we've kind of run out now. So we're just having to watch one episode a week as they drop on ITV now. Uh, yeah, what about you? No what binging. Have you been watching? Uh, I've yeah. been watching Jack Ryan, uh, <laughs> which came out a couple Classy. of months ago. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not highbrow. Um, but Tom Clancy, Tom Clancy is a reliable source of high octane, high entertainment, low, low yeah. intelligence. Yeah. Although I, his his books are more convoluted, I would say, than the TV series. But what I what I like about it is number one that it really reminds me of the best series of Twenty Four, mm. um, in that it's very fast paced. The plot moves very quickly. There's not a lot of hanging around. Uh, there's not a lot of the kind of long conversations in boardrooms uh, stuff that you might get in more cerebral thrillers. And what I love most about it is John Krasinski, who oh. Yeah. If you know the character Jack Ryan from the books and if you know them from the Harrison Ford films, you know that he is specifically designed not to be a field agent. He's not designed to be an action figure. He's an analyst. He's a nerd. Mm. He's supposed to sit behind a desk. But a really ripped one. Yeah, but really ripped I, think nerd. I, I actually wish they hadn't made him quite so ripped as he is, but he, he, <laughs> he was able to pull, pull off this uh, blend of nerdish 
mm. intelligence and bravery but bravery without sort of incredible skills yes so you feel like you could be him, is that what you're saying? It's much more, um, yeah, it's much more achievable than something yeah. like Jack Bauer or, yeah. you know, anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've been enjoying it. It's, it, I suppose the other thing I liked about the first season, which I finished this week, was it did actually try in some ways to, to portray the journey of people who are suffering in a war-torn country, it was serious about trafficking and smuggling and those kinds of issues. And it had some interesting things to say mm. about how you interact with that process if you're trying to find people. Doesn't, um, sound, that, doesn't sound that lowbrow to me. Well, I'm, I'm making the best of it. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> well, we all need a bit of lowbrow telly in our life. Mine has been, the other thing I've been watching on my own is Firefly Lane, which is pretty compelling, but I wouldn't say it's highbrow. It's, wouldn't recommend that to me? You would, I don't think it's really a wag. It is Catherine Heigl, and I, I do love her. Oh, she's great. But yeah, she is. She's fabulous. But yeah, I love a bit of John Krasinski. Love him and Emily Blunt together. Amazing. Yeah, I just hope that they don't ruin A Quiet Place with the sequel. Oh, I'm dying to see that. See, that was ruined by lockdown, wasn't it? Lockdown 1, that was. It was one of the early casualties. It was, it was just about to come out, and then the first lockdown happened. Really? Yeah. 100%. I thought it came out the year before. Anyway. No, I'm talking about Quiet Place too. Oh, I see. I yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, I love we'll that The bit. Quiet Place. The Quiet Place is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, another thing we just recently watched that I hadn't watched for years was Inside Man. But it oh, yeah. wasn't, wasn't as good as I remembered. Well, once you know the twist ending. Well, it's just a lot of talking. Aiden, Aiden kept saying, I need more shooty, shooty, bang, bang. And there really wasn't much action. No, because, I mean, no. have you seen um, Money Heist? No. I you might enjoy that, because that, that's much more shooty, shooty, oh, shooty bang, bang. bang, bang. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm still waiting through Breaking Bad. Oh, you, have, have, you haven't finished. I haven't watched it for ages. I just, it's very hard to find time to watch that. Oh, I mean, it's, it's not... A lovely Fly Fly Lane or something. Well, I just have to be in the mood for Breaking Bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you need I have to, to like, have the emotional energy. Yeah, yeah, it needs yeah. It needs to be venerated. And also, there's way more chance of the kids walking in on a horrendous scene in Breaking Bad than there is in a lot of other stuff. So, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, very good. Good chat, good chat. Good chat. I guess I'll catch you next week. Laters on the Minji. Play It Again fam comes to you from Rebecca Severs and Tom King, a sister and brother separated by geography, but only sometimes by taste. We put out a new show every week, and you can catch up with previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Music and SoundCloud, or at our website, playitagainfam.com. We'd love to hear your suggestions for new films to discuss, and we're open to having guests along to reappraise their childhood favourites. Get in touch on social media by searching Play It Again fam, or send us an email in the old-fashioned way, to playitagainfam at gmail.com. And thanks for listening.